pastor of adult ministries here at Harvest and uh, privileged to be able to open up God's word uh, with you this morning as Pastor Tim is gone. And uh, so I wanted to start with this story. Um, in September, my family and I went to the Pumpkin Fest and my, my kids are getting to the age where they enjoy riding the more uh, high thrill rides, so to speak. Um, and when I say my kids, I mean my oldest daughter, Kate, who's 10, likes the rides. My middle child, Brooke, she's eight. Uh, she does not like those kind of rides, and in fact, she gets a little bit scared when her older sister goes on the rides. And so, Stacy goes on the ride with Kate. They went on this ride called Rockstar, and the thing starts out, you know, kind of easy, and it's moving, and then all of a sudden, it starts to go a little bit higher, and then it begins to kind of whip you around, and they're going pretty fast and pretty high, and I'm standing off to the side waiting with my daughter, Brooke, and she's just crying. And she's so worked up, she's so worried, she's crying. Now, I got to tell you this, my daughter Brooke and I are a little bit similar. And so as I'm encouraging her and comforting her and helping her and letting her know it's going to be okay, I'm really thinking to myself inside, uh, this kid has a point. <laughs> I, I, I don't know who puts these rides together. How safe are they? And it's my wife and my daughter up there, and they're going pretty high, and they're going pretty fast, and maybe something breaks loose, and they had, no, we're not going to go there. Um, Anyways, we were very happy when uh, Stacy and Kate got off the ride and everything was fine. Uh, but all that to say is that Brooke and I like our feet on solid ground. We like our feet on firm foundation, so to speak. That's the safest and best place for us to be. Now, we're starting a new series today, and it's called this, uh, Firm Foundations. What, what, what does it mean to be a church on solid ground? What does it mean to be a church that has firm foundations? And in order to do that, we need to recognize that Jesus Christ is the center of the church, that he's the head of the church, that he's building his church, and that we then, as his church, must adhere to the pillars and the practices which he calls us to do all to his glory. And so that's where the series is going. That's what we're going to be looking at over the next about six weeks or so. And uh, the title that I have before you today, the title of my message is Unapologetic Preaching, Preach the Word. Unapologetic Preaching, Preach the Word. So go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse uh, 14. And I got to tell you, I'm excited about the verses that are ahead of us as we walk through 2 Timothy. I mean, what preacher would not be excited to preach on preaching? Uh, so this is going to be, uh, for me, an exciting passage, and uh, you're also going to see how it applies uh, very practically to your life, okay? So if you're taking notes, here's our first point. Number one, uh, trust God's word is inspired and profitable. Trust God's word is inspired and profitable. Before I jump into verse 14 in chapter 3, I just want to set up a little bit of context here as we jump into this book. And uh, picture this, imagine that you went to the doctor today and you got the worst news that you possibly could hear is that he said that you have six months to live. And so you decided to come home and you knew that you wanted to write a letter to your son or to your daughter. Uh, what would you possibly put on that piece of paper? What would you want to say to them in the last days of your life? What would you want to communicate? Okay, now listen, that's pretty much what's happening here in 2 Timothy. All right, Paul is the author of the letter, and he has embraced Timothy as a spiritual son in the Lord. And Paul, knowing that he was going to die soon for his faith, he was going to be martyred, and uh, this was his final letter that he wrote, actually. So he decides to write 
his final letter to his beloved Timothy to encourage him, to instruct him, to correct him, to let him know how much he loves him and the hope that he has in Christ. And so in these verses now, chapter 3 and into 4, in the verses that are ahead of us, Paul's going to remind and charge Timothy, who's a young pastor, to remember the gift that God has given to us, which is the Bible, and then to preach God's very word with all he's got. Okay, that's kind of where he's going to go with this. And so he's going to tell Timothy to, to know the truth and to preach the word no matter what resistance comes up against you. All right, so that's the context. Now, verse 14, chapter 3. Paul to Timothy says, But as for you, so as for you, Timothy, continue. Right? Continue in what? Well, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Okay, Timothy had the blessing of a godly heritage. You don't have to turn there, but we learned from chapter 1 that uh, Timothy's grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice taught Timothy from an early age. And what they taught him was the sacred writings, as it says. Now that refers to the Old Testament. Okay, you can see it as a young boy growing up, Timothy had God's words put into his mind. And, and these words were wisdom and instruction for salvation in Christ Jesus. Timothy knew the Old Testament. And the Old Testament now points to Jesus Christ. It's why Jesus said in John 5.39, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Catch this. He says, it is they that bear witness about me. In Luke 24, uh, 27, it says, and beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so here's the thing. We're not saved by just reading and knowing the Bible. We are saved by putting our faith in, by trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord. And it's the Old Testament that points to Jesus Christ, to Jesus the Messiah, and it's the New Testament that presents him to us and then points back to Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. And so that's why verse 15 says it like that. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so it says in verse 15 how you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, Timothy, the Old Testament. You've been taught that. And those are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. When Paul showed up and had the privilege to share the gospel with, with Timothy, with his grandma, and with his mom, they could see how everything uh, taught in the Old Testament all culminated in Jesus Christ, right? And they could see that he was the only answer for salvation, found only in Jesus Christ. So he's like, Timothy... Continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed. You know it. You believe it, right? You know it's from God. Keep going in this. Even for, as a young kid from childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Now, verse 16. And Paul's going to keep rolling. And i got to tell you, these are some of the best verses coming up here in the Bible 
about the Bible. The Bible is the inspired Word of God. Verse 16, all Scripture, all right, you may want to underline that or circle that, all Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So you see it there, all Scripture is breathed out by God. The phrase breathed out, that comes from the Greek word theopneustos, or you can say that later today, it's kind of fun, theopneustos, it actually means God breathed. You see why they translated it like that, that's what it means, God breathed. So all Scripture is God breathed. It means the Bible as, as, as if God breathed the very words himself. What we're saying in the doctrine of the inspiration of Scripture is that the words of Scripture are the very words of God, right? And so the origin of the Bible is God himself. And the fact that it says all Scripture there, I had you underline or circle that, that means the scope of the inspiration here of God's very words includes the Old Testament, the sacred writings, verse 15, but also, uh, by the time 2 Timothy was written, remember Paul's last letter, Paul also would have meant the other books in the New Testament that were written and beginning to circulate around the church and around the world. And so all of Scripture, everybody say all, all of Scripture, God breathed the very words of God. Now, you may ask, I want to say a few more things about this because you may say, well, how did we get this book then? Because God just didn't like miraculous go, here's a book, right? How did we get that? Well, it's a great question of how this all got written down. So let me say this to you. The Holy Spirit was at work in and through the authors of the Bible, right? Using their unique personalities, their unique uh, literary styles, using their unique experiences, God was using all of that, and uh, they began to write. And as they wrote, they wrote exactly what God wanted, this, this, like I said, is not, the Bible is not some collection of the wisdom and thoughts of men. The Bible is a book, first and foremost, from God and about God. Amen? The Bible is first and foremost from God and about God. Now, let me give you one more, uh, two more verses here out of 2 Peter. Just write down 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says this, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but, okay, tell us how then, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See it there? Men spoke from God as they were carried along by God, the Holy Spirit. And so again, we see the divine origin of the Scriptures based on the two verses that we have here, 2 Timothy 3 and 2 Peter 1, it describes the inspiration process as one in which the human authors are carried along by God the Holy Spirit, producing a document that is God-breathed. Now that is awesome. God wrote a book. God gave us his very words He wrote a book. This is a gracious gift of God to us, his people. And so the best illustration that I heard on this in terms of of inspiration, let me close with kind of giving you this thought. Imagine you were out on a sailboat, 
Imagine it's like 80 degrees, and you're out there in open water, and the wind is just blowing, kind of like today. And uh, the wind catches, right, the, the sail, and it, it takes this massive boat across the water. It's this huge boat, and the wind's taking it where it wants it to go, and so this giant boat is flying now across the water. And so in the same way, God breathed his words into human authors. Yes, men wrote them down, but the words were the very words of God. In the sense, we could say it like this then, God breathed or God blew, right, his words into the sails of the human uh, hearts and the human minds, and he took it wherever he wanted it to go. And so what we have then recorded is the Bible, the inspiration of Scripture, God's gift to us. B.B. Warfield, in his book on inspiration, says it like this. He says, inspiration puts behind the human also a divine authorship. It ascribes to the author such an attending influence of the spirit in the process of writing that the words they set down become also the words of God. And the resultant writing is made not merely the expression of Paul's or John's or Peter's will for the churches, but the expression of God's will. Another way to say it, the Bible is the word of God in such a way that when the Bible speaks, God speaks. You catching how awesome this is? God wrote a book and gave it to us that what we could know him, that we could worship God Almighty, the creator of the ends of the earth, that we could understand how to be saved from our sin. And that, that's not it, right? That's just scratching the surface. There's so much more the Bible is profitable, beneficial, useful in so many ways in our life. Let's keep looking at these verses, and I'll show you what it says. If you look at verses 16 now and 17, uh, Paul goes on to say it like this. He says, all Scripture is breathed out by God, right? God breathed, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God or the woman of God, that they may be competent, equipped, for every good work. Look, the Bible is profitable and sufficient, meaning, meaning the Bible contains all the words of God that we need to be saved and to trust him completely and to obey him thoroughly. It's profitable and it is sufficient. It gives us all that we need, God does, in order to be able to be saved, to trust him completely and to obey him thoroughly. It's the word of God. And it says, it what? It teaches us teaches us. It, it's the word of God, it says here, that it, it reproves us. It, it points out the wrong. It points out the sin. Have you ever had that? We're sitting at home and you have the Bible open, right? And if you want to hear God speak, open up the Bible and you, you take it and you open it and you begin to see God uses the living and active word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit to kind of show you there's sin in your life. But that's not it. It, it corrects us, meaning it, it leads us onto the right path. And so the Bible begins to show us our error and then lead us on to the right path of what's honoring to God. It, it trains us, it says, in righteousness. It, it takes us from spiritual infants to spiritual maturity. The Bible makes us competent or complete, equipped for every good work, meaning God's word is useful and complete for everything God wants you to be and everything God wants you to do. This is a gracious gift of God. This is his very words to us, inspired by God, profitable to us. 
What an awesome thing. In fact, I read uh, this week this little quote. It says, listen, through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, the Bible can take somebody who doesn't know God and bring about salvation in Christ. And then God will continue to use this book to teach them, to correct them, to train them up, to lead them onto the right path, and to equip them in all things so that they can completely please God. That is an awesome thing. The Bible is all that we need. God has inspired this book. It is a gift to us. It is profitable for us. And do you see, I hope you're beginning to see the uniqueness of this book, how special and other and perfect it is, because it's way different than any other book that you would read by some human author. For example, if I said to you today, man, you've got to read the book of Mark. Man, I wrote some stuff down in this book, not the gospel of Mark, this is the book of Mark, and I want you to read it. It's It's going to have a lot of wisdom in there. It's reliable. It's trustworthy. It's true. You're going to be blessed if you read it. You may say, I I know Pastor Mark. I'm not sure that's going to be the case, right? But if I tell you to read God's Word, if I say open up God's Word, take this book and pour your life into it, it is unique. It is reliable. It is trustworthy. It is true. You will be completely blessed if you open up and read it. And we can say that with 100% confidence. Why? Because God is always right. Because God is true. Because God is reliable. Because God is faithful. And because God says when we read his words, we will be blessed if we do. You can trust God's word. It's inspired and it's profitable. And so God has given us this gracious gift of his word, and he says, open it up and read it and and obey it and live it out and trust it. You will be blessed if you do. I hope this is firing you up, man. If, If you would leave today and just say, man, I can't wait to get into God's word, man, I would be so excited about that. You just feel like, I can't wait to go home and open this up and start reading it. I am so excited about the gift of God's word. In fact, I want to give you one more story here before I jump into point two, and it's this. I read it this week. It said, uh, it was a story about a man named Walter Scott, who is a British uh, novelist and poet. And he was dying, and he said to his secretary, he said, bring me the book. And so his secretary looked at the thousands of books in his library, and she said back to him, she said, Dr. Scott, which book do you want? And he said this, he said, the book I want the Bible, the only book for a dying man. And the pastor who wrote the article went on to say it like this, the Bible is not just for a dying man, but it's the only book for a living man. The Bible is both the word of life and the hope in death. Church, God's word is inspired and it's profitable. And man, I tell you what, we can thank God for his word. And that is something that we should be praying and saying to God, thank you that you've given your words. You revealed yourself to us in the Bible. We are grateful for that. We thank you for that. We are fired up about that gift to read it, to believe it, and to live it out. Here's point two. So point one, trust the Bible, inspired and profitable. And now point two, and this is going to flow here into Paul's thoughts to Timothy. Number two is allow God's word to be the final authority in your life. allow God's word to be the final authority in your life. If you look at chapter 4 now, in verse 1, remember, 
This is all the same thought flowing. Even though you see a number four in a chapter break there, this is the same thought flowing now from Paul's mind to Timothy. And he says this, and this starts out really strong. I charge you. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have, having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth, and they will wander off into myths. Let's stop there. <clears throat> you can see how this is all connected. Paul just said to Timothy, remember in chapter 3 at the end, God's word, right? It'll make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. It is God-breathed. It is inspired by God. It is profitable to you. So now he says, Timothy, to this young pastor, preach that word. Preach it. Preach the word. He says, I charge you, verse 1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. He says, I charge you, and the verb here carries the idea of giving a forceful order or a directive. And so Paul's like, I command you, Timothy, my son, I love you, listen to me. I command you, I urge you, I charge you, you preach the word. Preach the word of God. And this is a very serious command. Preach the word. And I'm telling you, the reason it's so serious is because of Almighty God who calls us into his service. And that one day he's saying, Timothy, you're going to give an account for your life. You're going to stand before Jesus Christ. He's going to judge the living and the dead. And you are going to give an account for what you did with your life and the ministry that he's graciously given to you. Preach the word. Preach the word. I mean, this church is a huge deal. I'm telling you, nobody should just jump into the pulpit with some carefree, like, I'll say what I want and how I want attitude. No way. No, nobody should, should take the word of God and stand up and toss God's words aside and just say whatever they want to say. No. no. Nobody should take this truth and water it down or somehow twist God's word to make it say what they want it to say to manipulate people to do what they want it them to do. No. I charge you, Timothy, preach the word. In fact, I wrote this down this week as I was reflecting on this serious, serious call. I wrote, the man of God who preaches the word of God ought to deliver the word with accuracy and boldness by God's authority, but he ought to do so in love and with kindness and with complete patience. And with a heart that trembles at the seriousness of his call as he stands before God's people and faithfully proclaims this truth, knowing God will judge him one day for how he carried out this command. Paul saying, Timothy, this is a huge deal. This counts for something eternal. Your life is in full view of God. Make sure that you preach the word. 
Other people around you may be preaching what's false. They may be neglecting this truth. They may be doing whatever they want to do. I am telling you, as an apostle in Christ Jesus to the son that I love, you preach God's word. Preach it. Don't back down. Don't water it down. Don't lay it down. Don't you quit, Timothy. You preach God's truth. This is a huge deal. Church, everything that I do is laid bare before the eyes of God, and everything that you do is laid bare before the watchful eye of God as well. And we will one day give an account of our lives to Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead. And so, practically speaking, then, if you've, if you've been coming to Harvest for any time, you know that we're all about the Word of God. And we're going to open it up every Sunday. We're going to read it. We're going to study it. We're going to preach it. We're going to believe it. We're going to seek to live it. Why? Because that's the command and the example given in the scriptures, and in it is the power of God. In fact, on your bulletin, it's one of our pillars here, to proclaim the authority of God's word without apology, to preach the word. And so you see it there in the front of your bulletin or as you walk in the worship center up top, if you've noticed it up there, we've got those four pillars which we're going to be covering in this series. And so we're going to unapologetically preach the word because, listen, a church on fire, a church that honors Jesus Christ, a church that wants to give God all the glory, a church that is built on firm foundations will preach the word of God. We will preach. It's what we do here and all over in this place in any ministry that you can think of, right? It's all about Jesus Christ, and we are going to preach his word without apology because that is what God calls us to do. And listen, we're going to preach the word, whether it's popular in this world or not. And now I know you're feeling that too, right? As you seek to share truth with people or to talk to people about God's word and the resistance that you can get. And so we're going to preach it whether it's popular in this world or not. And that's where Paul's going next as he's going to flow through these next verses. Let me give you verse 2. <clears throat> he says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So he says, be ready in season and out of season. All right. Be ready to preach the word of God like a soldier who's always ready for battle, who stands post. Be ready to preach the word, whether it's convenient to you or not, Timothy, whether it's favorable or not, whether it's popular to the hearers or not, Timothy. Preach the word. Be ready in season, not a season. Listen, there's no closed season on the word of God. Preach the word. He tells him to reprove, to rebuke, and to exhort with God's word and with complete patience and teaching. And that's really important, that you reprove, rebuke, and exhort with God's word, not just with your own thoughts, with God's word, right? Preaching and teaching God's word, but then doing so with a heart, right, that is, that is patient as you teach people. Look, as we share God's truth, we do so in love and with patience. Why? Because the Lord is. And so we preach and we teach with complete patience. We don't always see immediate results. We don't always see that in our life. And we don't always see that in the life of other people. But we trust that God is going to use his word. The scripture says that it never returns void. That God will accomplish his purposes through it. And so Paul, again, is sharing with Timothy this responsibility 
to take the God-breathed word and to preach it, right? And now he also gets more into now the reason why, right? Yes, number one is he's going to stand before Jesus Christ who's going to judge the living and the dead. But also there's another reason Paul's talking about here in verses 3 and 4, and you see it. For the time is coming, Timothy. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wandering off into myths. Everybody say, that, that's sad. And that's reality. And just like Timothy, we live in a day like that where people do not want to endure sound teaching. They don't want to endure healthy doctrine. We live in a time where people also have rejected God's truth and have wandered off into lies, wandered off into myths, rejecting and neglecting God's truth. Many people don't want the word of God. They don't want the conviction it brings. They don't want the change that it compels. They don't want to hear it. Instead, they go. Instead, the scripture says here that they'd rather, instead of hearing the word of God and sitting under it, not being a judge to it, but sitting under its authority, they go and they look for teachers then that will tell them what they want to hear. Teachers, as it says, suits their own desires. And sadly, there are many teachers out there that are feeding people with junk. Listen, and I'm telling you, I've said it over and over. We have God's word. We have the gracious gift of God, his very words in our hand, the preciousness of God's word, and it's all we need. And I'm so thankful for that. That is so freeing, right? That all you have to do is preach God's word, and God says that he'll accomplish his highest purposes from that, right? And that should be so freeing to all of us because, listen, it puts the focus where it ought to be, up on an unchanging, unstoppable, powerful God who's doing what? He's changing the lives of people. He's using his word and the power of the Holy Spirit to do that, changing us from one degree of glory to the next, changing us, changing our hearts, using the word of God, and listen, saving people from every tongue and tribe and nation. Look, this is the word of God. We should want it and long for it because why? It sets us free, the scripture says. So, are you allowing God's word to be the final authority in your life? Because if we're called to preach it, then the body of Christ, you see, on the other end, they're urged to what? Receive it. Right? If we're called to preach it, then the body of Christ is urged to receive it. And so, before you say to me, Pastor, that's right, amen, say it some more, do your job! <laughs> Do your job, Mark. Preach the word, uh, which is right, but also, look, I want to say this. In some ways, this command is not only to me as a pastor. The command is really for all of us as we all look to share the gospel and God's truth with people all around us. In fact, that was the Great Commission, that we're all to be disciple-making disciples. It's what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. How do we do that? Well, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
You see, all of us, right, you also are ministers of reconciliation. You are an ambassador for God, 2 Corinthians 5. You also get the privilege to live out Colossians 3.16, which says this, Paul writing to the church of Colossae, all the believers there in the church and saying, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, listen now, teaching and admonishing one another. Teaching and admonishing one another. Again, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and use that to teach. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. This is a thrilling thing. It really is. Listen, we get to give voice to God. It's unbelievable. You, you get to take God's word and to share it with people. And as you share the word with people, they hear the very words of God. Us, messengers for him. And so is God's word the final authority in your life? In fact, I wanted to close this point here, point number two, with, with just a little application here of five ways to respond to the Bible. I'm going to give you five ways to respond to the Bible as the Word of God. I just want to say a few more things on this point. Five ways to respond to the Bible. Number one, you can write this down, hear it. Hear it. You know, and I just thought maybe, maybe some of us learn better by listening than by reading, right? And there's so many ways now with technology to get God's word into our ears and to be able to hear it. And so I don't know, there's, on the radio you can listen and there's preachers and there's places you can hear the Bible being read. If you pulled out your ESV app uh, on your phone or your iPad or something after the service, you can pull up a scripture and you can just hit play and it'll actually read it to you. So again, you're hearing it. Right? Podcasts, another thing, finding a trustworthy podcast and listening there. I remember years ago I had bought some CDs and it was like these famous actors that read the Bible and I thought that was really cool. So I, had, I bought James Earl Jones reading from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. It was, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was phenomenal. Makes you want to listen to it. Um, but the thing is this. Is God's word hitting your ears more than other things? Hear it. Number two, study it. Study it. Man, dig deep. Forget the tin, go after the gold. Dig deep into God's word. What books do you read the most? If you had to think about the collection of books that you spent time reading over the last month or year, what would those be? Or what about in terms of studying versus like time on phone or internet or television, things like that, but really getting serious about, man, these are God's words. I want to study this book. So hear it and study it. And now number three is this, believe it. If the Bible says it, you can believe it. This is God's inspired word. And so whether you're going through the greatest season of your life right now or the most difficult valley, hold on to God's word. Believe God. Believe his word. And look, maybe there's some doubts that you have. And so let me just encourage you with this. Like, What have you done about answering the doubts that you have? What have you done about that? Who have you talked to about answering maybe some of the questions that you have about the Bible? Right? That's a good thing to address that and to talk with somebody and to get some answers from a godly man or a godly woman. Hear it, study it, believe it. Number four is obey it. Obey it. We want to not just be hearers, that's a good thing, but we also want to be doers of the word of God, it says in the book of James. 
hearing it and doing it, we want to live out Scripture. I remember a guy that used to mentor me, and he said one time to me, and I really needed to hear it, and he said this, he says, Mark, I don't care how much Scripture you know, I care how much Scripture you live. And I needed that at the time, right? The Scripture isn't just to give us a head knowledge, right? We are to live out God's word in obedience to him. Those who love me will obey me, Jesus said. And so we hear it, we study it, we believe it, we obey it. And then five, you can write this down, share it. What opportunities has God given you to share your faith this week, this month, this year? Maybe there's people, and you'd maybe write down a name right there, of somebody you're praying about, praying for, that you could be able to take God's truth and share it into their lives, a friend, a family member, a coworker, or whatever it might be, praying about sharing God's truth and then sharing God's truth, man. We, we have a gift. We have God's very word. And I hope that you are fired up about this book. I hope you're fired up to hear it, study it, believe it, obey it, and share it. There's so much more we could say, but I'm going to leave it at that, and I'm going to share this, uh, this quote as I close this point. John Wesley once said this. He said, I want to know one thing, the way to heaven, how to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has condescended to teach the way. He hath written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. That's an awesome quote. Trust God's word as inspired and profitable. Allow God's word to be the final authority in your life. Here's the final point now, and we'll finish this Uh, quickly on this last one. Number three, think clearly and serve your God faithfully. Think clearly and serve your God faithfully. Verse five, he finishes his thought here before he goes on to a different thought in verse six. (laughs) And he says, as for you, Timothy, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So as you preach the word of God without apology, as you proclaim God's truth, he's like, Timothy, always be sober-minded. Keep your head in all circumstances. Keep your cool. Think clearly, Timothy. And Timothy, as you preach the word, endure suffering. Son, it's going to be hard. It's a challenge. It's a difficulty. Endure it. If you want a fruitful ministry, it's going to cost you something, son. Endure suffering. Follow Jesus' example. Follow him. Follow, he could say, follow my example too, Paul, the sufferings that he went through. Timothy, as you preach the word, be sober-minded, endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Just simply preach Christ and him crucified. May the grace of the glorious gospel always be on your lips. Preach The gospel, as you preach the word, and finally, Timothy, as you preach the word, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill it. Don't quit, Timothy. Be a warrior, not a quitter. Don't grow weary. Keep it going. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your call. Carry it out. There's going to be days that the the waves of evil and hardship and suffering come crashing down into your life, Timothy. Keep going. Don't stop. Fulfill your ministry. Look, you may grow old, right? You may change in years to come, but God's call will never change. Preach the word. Fulfill your ministry. Ultimately, 
what he's saying, listen, is just be faithful. If we could sum up Paul's words to Timothy, it's that. Just be faithful to the Lord. And listen, the same for us, right? Whatever it is that God has called you to do, whatever it is that your lot is in life, what you've put your hand to do, be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Think clearly, serve your God faithfully. Trust the Bible as inspired and profitable. Allow it to be the final authority in your life today and always. And think clearly, serve your God faithfully as you hear and study and believe and obey and share God's word. Well, I wanted to finish with this, this picture. I found this on the internet uh, years ago. I wanted to pull it back and show you guys. You could throw that picture up. This is a picture, they call it the 9-11 Bible. It, uh, it now sits in the 9-11 Memorial Museum. And uh, a firefighter found it under one of the, some of the wreckage under one of the towers. I think it was the South Tower. And he was digging stuff out and he found this. And you can see it's pretty cool, right? So the Bible melted to a piece of steel and still readable. And so he digs it out and he hands it to a photographer that actually was nearby. And the photographer was just amazed taking all the shots of it and making sure it got preserved and put to a right spot. And so now sitting in the, in the museum. But I remember reading some, um, some articles and some things about this guy getting... Uh, talked to about, you know, having found it and then taking some photos of it. And there was some interviews about it. And the photographer kept saying, this is just amazing. I'm just amazed that this Bible has survived. This is incredible that the Bible survived and it melted to steel and you can still read it. And it, it is. It is a cool thing to see. And it is, it is amazing. But here's the thing. What we should be amazed at and what we should be really thankful for, church, is not just that this particular Bible has survived, but that the word of the Lord will survive forever. Listen, this is a forever message from a forever God. God spoke it. God preserved it. God is revealing himself through it. Look, Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Forever. God's word, his gift to us. Amen. This is a treasure. It's one of the greatest gifts that we have that God would give us his very word. May you pour your life into this book. You will not be disappointed. You will be blessed if you do. Let's pray together.